Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. While NFTs and crypto are facing a reckoning right now, that doesn't mean the video game industry doesn't still love them. But why are gaming companies so into NFTs? I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. Joining me to discuss this is resident gaming expert Oscar Gonzalez. Welcome, Oscar. Hey, it's great to be back. So you've got a great feature today. Again, putting NFTs in context with the hate that downloadable content or DLCs first elicited when they when when game makers started charging for them, but before we get into that, I just wanted to get set set the ground a little bit about why video game companies are so in NFT, so into NFTs. Um, why why is it what what's with the love? Well, I, what it comes down to is like like everything about NFTs, it's money. Mm-hmm. Uh, they see how successful NFTs have been in other media. They see how much money is being made for literally literally just digital tokens. It's code. Mm-hmm. And people have been spending hundreds of thousands of dollars for certain code. So if it's that easy to make, and it's something that you could sell to really anyone anywhere, uh, why not? And <laughs> if you can make a lot of money for it, I mean, that's even better for the game companies. That's that's what it comes down to. It's money. They'll, they'll say other reasons, artistic freedom. They'll say pleasing to the gamers. In the end, money is money is what really powers uh, these kind of play. Got it. And and maybe if you could maybe we kill two birds with one stone, just in terms of offering a little bit of context on what NFTs are, but also how have these NFTs been integrated into games? So NFTs are called not, are non-fungible tokens. They're digital tokens for digital assets. So it could be uh, a token to say that you own a certain picture, uh, mm-hmm. a certain uh, virtual item, like a pair of sneakers. In the case of video games, there's been a variety of uh, attempts. Well, I won't say attempts because they've been successful, where they have made use of these NFTs. Uh, in the case of um, there's one game called Axie Infinity that was really popular. Um, mm-hmm. That is still popular. But uh, the NFTs were these Pokemon-like creatures. So you you get one of those, and that's your NFT. You could actually sell it, or if you want to hold on to it, and that increase in value. Uh, in other cases, um, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, uh, Ubisoft, the developer, publisher of it, they uh, released certain equipment that you could mm-hmm. buy, but it wasn't for the for use in the game. It was just like, hey, I have a helmet i have uh this particular rifle and it's digital it's again it's digital token but you're paying for that so there's different ways to approach this and the the game companies are trying to find that sort of that that sort of sweet spot where Mm -hmm. people are going to jump on it and uh you know spend their money on it I know there's a bit of a range of how NFTs have been integrated, but but generally, have they had any kind of 
impact or change in the actual gaming experience or is a lot of this just purely a cash grab in some cases it's a cash grab it's a cash grab uh, again going back to that ghost recon breakpoints there really wasn't a point to it there really wasn't any advantage to it there really wasn't to it except for saying hey i have this particular nft that's from this game mm-hmm. and that was it um like i mentioned in the case of axie affinity uh, that's where you have this Pokemon-like creature. There's another game called The Sandbox, uh, where you acquire land and you rent out land, and and the land that you have is 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 actual uh, NFT. Uh, so it's it, you become because it's an NFT and because it's land, you're actually in that game, kind of a landlord. Uh, hmm. So there's there's a value to that. Uh, so that's what it comes down to: is, is that if 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 it represents something in the game that kind of makes it a bit better and something that has value within the game that that entices people a bit more to to go into it if it's just again just hey i have a shirt from a game then usually gamers aren't going to flock to that right uh and and just uh, going to the flip side what has the response been like for, from gamers Whew, it's been bad. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is um, sort of a you know covering the video games. There's a lot of points where there's a gamer rage. Mm-hmm. It's like a wave of rage that comes about from the gaming community, and it would and it's definitely there for NFTs, where they a lot of gamers don't want it because they see what's happening. They see that it's that it's a potential cash grab. That the game companies want to get more money from them and they don't like it. This is where there's a lot of pushback and a lot of, you know, hate on social media. Yep. So uh, in the case of, um, in the case of some NFTs that have been tempted, they've been just downright mocked, ridiculed, and no one bothers with them in certain games, not all of them that have been. Right. Right, and this sort of brings it back to your story, in which you sort of compare things to the to the very first paid DLC, which elicited a very similar reaction. Talk a little about that, and and uh, what happened in that situation. Right, so there was a game that uh, was really popular back in 2006 uh, elder elder scrolls for oblivion hmm. it was for the uh, 360 and the pc and eventually for the ps3 again just really popular game uh and it, it's so the, the uh developer uh bethesda at the time they said hey we're going to sell a horse armor pack and all it was uh, it was for $2.50, and it was simply armor for your horse. Now, in the game Oblivion, your horse is just transportation. It doesn't really do anything else aside from get you to one place to another pretty quickly. Uh, but this was a way to customize your horse. And people at the time lost their, their mind over it, uh, mainly because they saw what the future was, that this was not... Uh, a DLC that was designed to enhance the game. It wasn't designed to expand on the game. DLC is not really new, especially for PC. PC, PC gaming was doing DLC back in the 90s, but that mm. DLC was like, hey, we're going to give you more content and it's free. Right. Here, all of a sudden, it's like, hey, we're going to give you this little customization 
and it's not free, but we hope you don't mind. And people did care. But Bethesda sort of started this this whole process that has now become a big moneymaker. And they even said, they, they said years later, by the way, as much as many people were mad about that, we still sold a ton of that armor, of course, <laughs> armor DLC. They made money. That's what they said. Right. And then now you fast forward to today and you've got like skins and other customizations on Fortnite or, or Halo Infinite, although I don't think anyone actually spends money on that game anymore. But the but it, it seems like it's a pretty standard practice now, right? Literally, it, it is standard. So many games make use of it. Free-to-play games are entirely uh, making use of these microtransactions, whether it's for uh, content to like customize your character, whether it's mm-hmm. for uh, ways to power up. Uh, in 2020, uh, there's a, a analytics firm that estimated that that more than $92 billion that was made in the in- industry was, was, was because of microtransactions. Mm. In comparison, the money made from full game purchases was $12 billion. So that's a huge discrepancy in, in that, it, that it, there's literally almost, uh, almost eight times as much money was made of microtransactions versus the actual buying of games. Right. Right. And, and I guess what does that so what does that say about NFTs given you know when you look back and you see the enormous backlash and hate over that that horse armor that very first bit of DLC and now it's you know it's it's sort of an accepted practice uh in fact it like you said it's for a lot of these games that's the primary way that they generate revenue. So what is that what do you think that that means for NFTs down the line? Well, the experts I spoke with, they're saying it's happening. It's going to happen one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it, it's going to come down to the game companies, whether they find that right way of handling it in order to make it successful. Um, but again, it, it this is not this is some this is just coding, and it's not like the code to make a new game. It's even a different form of coding. That's really simple i mean a lot of these nfts can be done by one person in a in a few days it's nothing super complex where they need a team of developers to work on it it's something one person can do by themselves practically and if they find that that sweet spot where it provides an experience provides value to the player then the player is going to get more involved. They're going to be more attached to the NFT. They're going to find mm-hmm. value in that NFT that they could share. Well, not share, but I mean, they could possibly even make money off of if there's that that value. I mean, we saw that with um, Axie Infinity, where people were making real money by playing that game and selling those selling those NFTs, and and it was uh, it, it was a great day, except for the recent disaster about it. Well, yeah, I mean that that's a great point. Uh, I wanted to, I didn't want to have this conversation without talking about that. Like recently, like the the value of a lot of those NFTs have crashed, right? There's been a lot of problems with Axie Infinity, correct? Right. So Axie Infinity again, like, like I mentioned earlier, it's a Pokemon like game, mm-hmm. um, and it was just in 2021, just a huge money maker. It's it was a global hit. Uh, there's a, there was a story last year where where a guy just played the game was able to buy two houses. Wow. Uh, yeah, but it in 2022 it hasn't been that great. Uh, one of the big things that happened was that there was a there was a hack. 
And uh, the result was that a hacker group uh, ended up stealing $600 million from Axie Infinity. Wow. Um, and this is this is kind of an issue when you're dealing with NFTs and crypto is that you really become um, a target for hackers because uh, all they need to do is just find that way in there and they could take that for themselves. They put it in, in uh, other wallets and you won't be able to find it again. Uh, so because of that, the Axie Infinity NFTs, which were very valuable last year, have now plummeted and, and they're yep. not making as much money as they used to. Definitely, definitely a cautionary tale there. Uh, Oscar, thank you for your time and for this rundown of NFTs and gaming. You can check out his story and the rest of our NFT versus gamers series on CNET.com. If you have any questions, ping me on Twitter at Roger W. Chang. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening. <laughs>